Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about an alternative to headphones when you don't have a headphone jack and you need that audiobook to sleep. Let's get into episode 77. With me this week is Matt and Nate again. It's so exciting to actually have you back two weeks in a row. How are you doing? Fantastic. No complaints. Not even a one. Not even Matt. I'm actually so happy to see Matt today. I I, I was going to say, I do have a complaint. (laughs) Nate's back. Oh, Nate's back. That's your complaint. I know you said that that the title should not have been Nate is back. It should have been Nate is back. Dang it, or something along those or lines. Frowny yeah. face emoji. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Nate is back. No, uh, there you go. Yep. Unfortunately, Nate is back. It'll probably be one. It'll probably be the, <laughs> the lowest numbers of of all of all the shows that we do. It'll probably. Be the, I don't think probably the so. Worst there one. were several comments about people saying that they were missing you. So. Oh, what they throw? I at me? think the banter is actually a lot funner with you here. Oh, I okay. enjoy it when it's all three of us more than when it's just two. It's like what you missing with banana peel. <laughs> Turtle no. shell. <laughs> Turtle shell. shell. Turtle power. Well, we're all over the place, aren't we? And Matt will be all over the place since he just got an e-bike. How'd the setup go? Yeah. That was actually a whole lot easier than I thought it was going to be because when these guys claim like X amount is pre-assembled, you're always like, mm-hmm. yeah, how much of that's actually true? It, actually, it was probably about 85% pre-assembled. So I wow. did, it was literally cut the box open. Cut nice. the box open, put on the disc brakes that they had on the front tires, and put on the handlebars pedals. I had to. The only problem I had was the chain came off the derailleur in the back and got wedged Ooh. in between the the frame. So that was kind of a fun trying to get. Was that something that you also the, assembled yeah. on there? Because that was going to be my next question. How many things that you assembled no. fell off when you were using it? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Thank you. Really. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not you, Nate. Well, I Wendy, we put my things together. Wendy, that means I owe you five bucks. Okay, <laughs> I'll collect later. Oh, well, that, that's a cheap. <laughs> cheap bet. That's cheap. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? <laughs> so overall, no, it was a pretty quick and easy setup. For I'm actually surprised by the quality overall of what I got for the price. Because most e-bikes price range-wise, at least what they consider budget, is about the price of a fairly good laptop, which is like uh, twelve to fifteen hundred bucks, which I was not willing to spend. Um I got this one for about four ninety nine, give or take. There's different classifications for like e-bikes. There's like class one, class two, class three. It's all based on speeds and regulations and blah, 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 blah. Before you have to get like licenses and motorized vehicle stuff and all that junk. So the one I got was $4.99 plus shipping was like, I think they cost me like 20 bucks. It wasn't like super expensive. It's not bad. No. Yeah, that's not bad. So I've gone about probably 10 or 12 miles on it, just testing it out and stuff. Four miles in 15 minutes. So for city stuff, so city stuff and kind of in between nice and quick that, and that's really all they needed it for, for the most part, barring the car issues and all the other junk. Mm. 
So, so I know your office that you record out of is different than the than the home you live in, correct? That is correct. You don't sleep in your office underneath the desk anymore. Is that is that what's changed? <laughs> no, I don't. No, only at my real job do I do that. <laughs> I guess sometimes it has to be done, right? Um, right. So, how what is the distance between your office and home? Is it can you use your e bike your, your yeah? Can you use your e bike for that? <laughs> yes, I can. I'm about usually driving a vehicle it, because of the amount of stoplights and everything else. I'm on the other side of town, which is about four miles, give or take four and a half miles, something like that. Okay. So it's not super far. I haven't done like a. Oh, I'm gonna ride this to see how far I can go kind of stuff yet. Like I, I just, I know what I needed it for and what I needed to get it for. And that's all I kind of really cared about. Yeah. So you you didn't put a link there. So I can't see the kind of bike that you have. So is it an e-bike plus a pedal bike? So you can do both. It's like a hybrid. Okay. And then does it have, yeah, it's, it's, it's got pedal assist and it's got throttle. So it's got either or depending which one you want. Does it have regenerative braking as well? So when you brake, it actually, creates like it stores like that kinetic energy back into chemical electrical energy no 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 no. okay no it does not Uh, it was just regular disc brakes okay for it he wasn't paying to have that additional feature because i'm sure that's not cheap i was thinking we could probably do that how far away do you live from from michigan (laughs) i'm too close regardless (laughs) i could be on the other side of the planet and drill a hole through it and it's still too close <laughs> hey, he was going to say there Nate was I saying bet. he was going to help you retrofit your bike to have like more features. I bet and I don't need Tim Allen anywhere near oh. me. Oh, oh come oh, oh. on, it's going to be fun when it explodes. It won't explode like maybe the battery might like have it no it will I promise you so it will not explode. It might have a rapid unscheduled disassembly or maybe vent with flame, but it will not explode. <laughs> And I'll let you be the test dummy then. I mean, we need a dummy, so there you go. Here we go. This is going to be interesting. Okay, so I need a plane ticket to go watch all of this when it happens. <laughs> watch to the train wreck that that's yes. going to be. Yes, exactly. We'll, we'll do it as a YouTube Dumb. short so you can get through all the, the boring it working oh, stuff up well, until think, the very end. I don't think a short is going to be long enough because I'm going to need the bickering between you two oh, as yeah. it's being assembled. like. Of course, I don't mind that stuff because I do this show with you, so I hear it all the time, even the stuff that doesn't make the show. So you, you'd probably have to edit out, or someone's going to have to edit out all of <laughs> all of Matt's awful language, and that, then we can probably... Yeah, because oh, it's pop, only Matt's awful language, pop, no one else. Pop on meat kettle on my two co-hosts on that one. That's a load, and they know it. Uh, I would never. Wendy is a perfect angel, and I... No. I think I might be somewhere, maybe not perfect, but not far off. Pretty darn close, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm at least a candidate Jeffrey, for sainthood. I, <laughs> if you're, never mind, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> you're going to want to edit this part out, Wendy. Okay. Anyway, yeah, so overall, I'm pretty pleased for the uh, price, the performance stuff overall. It's really just what I needed to get around town for the most part. And like kind of a... If I need to use it for work, cool, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Works like seven miles, so like a half an hour, whatever. It's not that big of a deal to me. Winter will suck, not going to lie. You know, when you're up north, it it does suck with that, but you know, whatever. Uh, It's more of a, if public transportation or other things aren't available, 
more than right. anything else, though. We've got something. So, yeah. So yeah, I think but, I can't speak for where you live, but at least in where I where I reside, if you see somebody on a moped in the wintertime, they refer to those as DUI cycles because you <laughs> don't have a license anymore. <laughs> oh no, I definitely have the license though. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's it, it really does boil down to more of a financial choice too. Not, I did the, the price of vehicles new or used right now is just not something. Yeah, like, it's absolutely I, crazy. I, I, I am not having that level of payment right now. I just, mm. despite what Nate thinks, I might make for a salary. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you weren't if you weren't paying all those legal fees from all those fights you got into, right? That, is that is that what it is? Oh uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only the ones I get in with you. Oh, I haven't seen a dime. <laughs> exactly. None of the other ones ever. will either. Yeah. <laughs> While I was busy setting up a new e-bike, uh, Nate, you were pedaling your way along with OpenSUSE and something about 18 months of update gap or something. Yes. And pedaling along would be a great way of describing it too, because it's a like a 2010 era netbook that would just kind of, mm-hmm. I took off the shelf because, well, the, the S... The SSD in my 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 boy's computer it failed, and it's not that old. And I don't understand why it failed. It got real weird, like just, and the entire drive was intact except for his home directory, which is really also weird. But anyway, that aside, yeah. so he lost some Minecraft worlds, but you know whatever. I probably should have put some oh. sort of backup on there. Bad bad me, bad sysadmin me. But now he learned his lesson, so there we go. Anyway, so uh, we took this netbook that I got. Yes, the sysadmin did. <laughs> Yeah. It was a 2010 era setbook that I got in 2013. So it was terribly slow and kind of uncomfortable even 10 years ago. It's got an Atom processor on it. It still has a spinning rust hard drive, which I'm impressed hasn't failed yet. But it was a, it, yeah, it was a gift that Uncle Sam sort of gave me because Uncle Sam was going to throw it in the dumpster because it had a broken screen. So I took it, I fixed it, and then I, I've been using it on and off since. It's a great machine for taking notes or whatever. Terrible machine for using the World Wide Web, but I mean, it'll do LibreOffice great. You can even play Tux Racer on it. So, you know, there's... Ooh. there's if it can do that. Anyway, so I... I think anything can play Tux Card. We have some older laptops around here. I think Tux Card can run on a potato. <laughs> yes, yeah, because they want it to. They actually try. That's one one good thing about the open source yes, world. They yes, actually try. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so I I put I, w- I went to check and see uh, that when it was updated last, and it was February of 2022. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if this thing is actually going to work. So it didn't update. Like I started the update like sometime in the evening, and because it's not only a slow computer using a spinning rust hard drive, I didn't get to check it out until the next morning when it was done. I rebooted it, and it came back like nothing ever happened. I was impressed that it was able to sustain that kind of gap in updates. I'm like, you know, I, I was just impressed. So the that was that was a really, it was a, an impromptu exper- experiment that wasn't really planned, you know, at all, hence the impromptu. And, and it worked out great. So it's actually being used again because the kids want to use it all of a sudden, suddenly to play with again. So nothing crazy, just little, you know, goofy games and whatnot. Can't play Minecraft. I'm waiting for the comment about, see, you couldn't do that on Arch. So I didn't have to say it, because you did. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, because we knew you were good. You knew what you were insinuating. Uh, <laughs> I was not going to. So 
I don't have to say oh, that's all. That is a blunt lie, and you know no, it. What I would say is not a lie. I don't have to say, "Wow, Arch can't do that," because it doesn't matter. I'm just saying what OpenSUSE can do. It doesn't mean others can't do it. It just means OpenSUSE can do it, and that's what makes it really solid technology. Oh, uh, that's it. I will totally agree with you as far as OpenSUSE being solid technology for the technologist. <laughs> Correct. It's just an, an anecdote that I can share with everybody of, of how happy I am about my just yet another great OpenSUSE experience. So what are the internals on that netbook? I know upgrading it to an SSD would definitely help. It's got two gig some. of RAM. SR's like speeds. Oh, dang. Yep. It's got two gig of RAM. It has barely enough RAM to, I mean, barely, barely enough horsepower to do really anything. So it's DDR3 RAM that's in there. I did upgrade it to to that two gig which was just, you know, crazy fast. And yeah. But the battery on it, I mean, even though it's an old battery, it'll it'll last a long time. The battery's yeah. still good. Yeah, no wonder it won't do the web really well if all it has is two gigs of RAM, because I'm definitely over that right now. And I know we've talked about RAM in the past, but I'm regularly with editing and stuff hitting half of my 64 gigs easy, sometimes exceeding that. So, yeah, you're not doing much on that, yeah. except for TuxCart, because like I said, TuxCart can run on a potato. So, it yes. So, it does have an Intel Atom N550 at 1.5 gigahertz. So, that's two cores with four threads. So, I mean, that's something. Blazing. Yeah. Yeah. Blazing fast. Speed demon. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on what you, I mean, compared to like, you know, a 20-year-old laptop from today, you know. Right. It's actually, right. And, yeah. and with that CPU, if you had more RAM, then it would handle stuff yeah. a heck of a lot better. It's not like if you're just doing some document type work or anything like that, that that CPU can't handle it. You're you're definitely not gaming on it or Steam gaming on it anyway. Uh, it actually, it plays uh, oh, Matt's favorite game. What is it? Oh, Among Us. It plays Among Us really well. <laughs> but I mean, Among Us is just cartoon 2d you know top down ish yeah game. so it's not really i mean that's not really like difficult for it to do but yeah you can in the even in the screen capture that i, I took a picture of it because i was impressed but the of the desktop when it came up it, it's among us is there on the desktop because the kids are playing it i see that yeah i've got cubiclenate.com pulled up and i'm looking at your article see that short one shorter article definitely for sure if you're watching the video version of it, it's probably scrolling by right now. So, and that wasn't a plug for Among Us, but it's still a fun game to play, even if Matt is. It you know. is a fun game to play. We've only played with Matt once. And I really think we need to figure out how to do that again. Hey, Matt, our team is determined to make it to Worlds again. So I know we're probably going to need a fundraiser if they put in the work and achieve that goal. Mm. So maybe we can play Among Us for some fundraising. That sounds like a fabulous idea. Yeah, I like it. And I, I can hear I know you're a softie, so you'll do it for the kids. You won't do it for us, but you'll do it for the kids. That's right. <laughs> Wendy, you, yeah. you might want to play that Peter Griffin meme where he trips over the curb and complains about his knee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that, you're kicking me in the knee right now. You know that, right? <laughs> I do, and I'm doing it on the podcast so that, yeah, it's out there. <laughs> Just a, total, a little pressure. A little public pressure, yeah. 
Hey, totally the kids actually have to finish putting in all of their work and actually achieving oh, that goal first, but there it is. It's out I there. <laughs> He's excited. Maybe. I can I can feel the excitement. Maybe. We Maybe. Feel the excitement. I'm excited. Matt's not excited. Maybe is all you're going to get. Yeah, and I might do yeah. it kind of like what I did last year at the very end of the year within the last three hours of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that except for, okay, so we will know if we are champion by the beginning of January, Southern Idaho champion. We won't know if we are Idaho champion until sometime in February, but regardless if they do take Southern Idaho championship again, then they will be fundraising regardless either way, because there'll still be the option to go to Texas or California. So they will put in the work and I will tell them that as part of their enjoyment and your punishment, I mean, your helpfulness. That Contribution. They <laughs> your, yes. Your... Achieve that goal. Then we can. Mm -hmm. I will do one better. I will help. I will do a fundraiser by playing Among Us for them to go to Worlds if they go to Worlds. Okay. If that Sounds becomes good. A, and if that becomes a can thing. you do play Among Us while on your e bike? Would that be a possibility? Could could we like <laughs> me? Oh, never mind. I can't say what I want to at the moment. No. Could put what it is this show <laughs> going to be titled all over the place? That's yes. <laughs> That's every show, Wendy. Let's be real. Okay. Yes. Every show is all over the place. Some shows are more, more all over the place than others. And this one has ADHD written all over it. And it's okay. I'm undiagnosed. <laughs> I am diagnosed and self-medicated with coffee. I'm self-medicated with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, I'm sure this game didn't take 18 months for you to play, but the uh, Crimson Trails... From DL344. So, yes, this was pretty interesting. So, if you haven't seen DL344, definitely go check it out and I will drop a link in the show notes. But they always have a gaming section on the show. And this time, 344. So, yeah, I think it, yeah, I still think it is this last show that went out. Well, no, not by the time that this goes out i don't know timelines are all messed up anyway on that episode they talk about a game called crimson trials which is an audio only game it is made for those who are visually impaired but even as ryan suggests as someone who has good vision i mean other than being a bit nearsighted it was really, really cool to play. And I took Jill's suggestion. And as I was playing the games, I closed my eyes. So it's pretty simple as far as gameplay goes. You're just using the arrow pad on your keyboard. It walks you through some instructions. And then you go to play the game. So if you are shooting at, taking it, their monsters, something like that, when you hear them, and you're going to want to use headphones or really, really good speakers, headphones are better because it's in stereo, obviously. But then shooting them or protecting the ship pod, whatever it is that you're in. And I found it to be a really cool gaming experience. So much so that I was like, hey, kids, come check this out. And all four of my kids played it at the same time. This game is awesome. 
because you don't have to install it. It actually can play directly from the browser. They do have like a basic visual, so the name of the game on there, but you can have anybody play this. And I love this idea so much that I want to make sure that the rest of the robotics team gets to play this game because I really think it fits into the goal of our robotics year where it's taking the arts and science together, STEM, STEAM, and at the same time saying, hey, this is one way that you can appeal to people that can't play Among Us, since we were talking about it, or some of those other games. It's a really interesting concept that I know they make games for other people. It's just not one that I'd ever thought about because it's not a game I'd actually looked into. So thanks to DL for bringing this up and actually thanks to whoever suggested on the form to DL to bring up some audio only games for people that are visually impaired. Absolutely loved it. I think I'll be playing it some more. I'm horrible at gaming. I'm horrible at hitting the button in time. So I didn't do very well. But it's a fun one to continue playing again and again. I might get faster. I might get better. Well, I mean, it sounds interesting. And I think next time Matt talks, I might play it instead of paying attention to him because it's probably more, Ooh, probably going to be more interesting. There you go. Yeah. I'm <laughs> kidding. I won't do that. That would be very rude. And I will pause my game to be here. But that's it's interesting idea. I never actually thought about games for the visually impaired, computer games for the visually mm-hmm. impaired before. So this is like the first I've... I didn't, I didn't see that episode yet. But it's, a, it's the first I've... <laughs> Or listen to it rather. I've heard of such a thing, and it seems like such a good idea. I mean, there's a lot you could do that, and there's you can use a you know a couple of senses, and and I mean, there's there's lots of neat right. things you can go. I mean, down this path of of uh, visually impaired games. I'm sure this is just one of many, but it's the first I've heard of. That is really cool because there's not a lot that of games that touch on that particular end of the spectrum as far as like bringing those type of experiences to people who normally wouldn't be able to have mm-hmm. those experiences. So you know, for right. like, if you're visually impaired, being able to play a game, obviously kind of hard, you know, you can play it by sound. So this focuses on sound. I know there was one game that I recommended kind of a while ago, which was called the quiet man, which kind of the game has like zero sound because your main protagonist is actually deaf. So oh. they went into it with a, intentional sound design of not really having sound in order for you to kind of feel what it's like to be that right. protagonist more figuring out so, your world without sound. Yeah. And then you take something like this, which is a first person shooter game. And the only mm-hmm. thing you can rely on is your ears. Yeah. So uh, uh, there are a few games that have done it, but it is definitely cool to see more, people trying this and the one thing i do like about this one better though is the fact that you can basically play it from anything where it's like the other one the other one requires you know the typical steam deck type gaming computer stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. so that, that is really cool to see though absolutely so as we find more i'm kind of curious as to the rabbit hole the team will go down when i show this to them the first time i actually meant to show it on our last meeting that we were together and there's just so much to do right now that I forgot. So I need to like write myself a note. So tomorrow when we're at robotics, I can make sure that I show them this game, but it's so cool. I just love seeing different takes on this. And like some of the games you share, Matt, I don't want the same old, same old. And even though 
icon play a visual game, it's nice to be able to use some of those other senses in the gameplay and different form of gameplay than just the usual. I'm just impressed by the creativity in it. I mean, it's just, it's really. Yeah, neat. and the audio track in it is really pretty good. I love the sound and the atmospheric sounds in it is what makes it so much more difficult because. As you're going through it, you're hearing all of these clangs and bashes and, and different sounds, and you're trying to pick out just what you need in order to not die by the monster or not have your pod destroyed. Like I said, I, I died. I was not very good at it. But I'm also not quick on the keyboard either, which is why I typically don't play games like that. Interesting path to go down. We'll see what else comes up in this realm of games. And I would love to hear from the community, what are some of the non-typical games that you're playing? Whether it has to deal with being visually impaired or some other realm, I would love to see how different ways of doing things and how you're playing games. Sound isn't the only thing in games. I talked last week about how I am missing the headphone jack. Actually, I think I've repeated this over and over and over and over again. It's probably a running mantra. (laughs) Ever since I got my (laughs) OnePlus 9 that is missing the headphone jack. And Nate, you came across this really interesting concept. It kind of, the first time I saw it, I'm like, whoa, that's a bit weird. Mm -hmm. It's a pillow. That not only helps monitor your sleep, but it has a speaker inside of it. And yes, you connect this pillow to power and it does take an additional that you have to install. So one of the things I did after you had shared this is I looked up the app and as far as apps go, it's not horrible. I expected this thing to be like, we're taking all of your data, we're sharing it with multiple third parties and it's not encrypted. But that's not the case. They don't share it with third parties. The data is encrypted. Now, they are gathering your personal information and they are tapping into the health and fitness app because that's part of your sleep tracking. I don't know how much of that has to be turned on, but what I really want to know is how in the world you came across this. Not sure on the how did I come across it. Sometimes like I just I go down a rabbit hole and something just happens to just kind of catch my eye and then I go down another rabbit hole and then that catches my eye, which takes it down to like a whole nother whole nother branch. It's not related to the the previous two. Anyway, I was actually I don't know how I got there, but I was thinking to myself, not so much the the temperature controlling or the sleep monitoring or anything like that, but like a a smart memory foam a memory foam pillow with a built-in speaker. That almost sounds compelling. Now, I don't know how loud it would be, I don't know, or, or whatever, but like if I can think of more than one instance when it would have been handy to have had that to like watch a movie or something, you know, back when I used to be married and, and whatnot, and I wouldn't been, maybe may, I wouldn't be so disturbing at night. I don't know, but it's just a thought. <laughs> and, um, and so that was just, it was just a neat idea, you know, because you don't have to worry about something in your ear. And if you set the, volu- right. the, temp- the, the temperature, the volume at the right level, then you could potentially not disturb, you know, Magneto at night for you to have, you know, some sort of right. music or, or whatever. I don't know how loud it would be, but 
He definitely doesn't want to hear my book. So that is something I'd be curious. How mm-hmm. loud is this actual device? Right. I know he has complained when I've had an earbud in and it gets bumped, it gets turned up. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night thinking that somebody's in the house and talking and like, what's going on? Oh, yeah. oh it's just my audio book. I think for the most part, he's gotten used to that. That overall, it doesn't happen much anymore. So I would be interested. I need to go look at the reviews. Yeah, as it, to how loud it gets, but right or how well you a can very strange concept. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea, but it just kind of tied back into last two weeks ago and last time, and so I thought that'd be just interesting, like follow on discussion of of some of your your troubles with earbuds and headphones and whatnot. It might be an alternative way of of solving that problem. There might be even better solutions out there. This just happens to be the one that I stumbled upon. 70 bucks is a little bit salty, I think, for a pillow. I mean, although I've spent quite a bit on a pillow before. Pillow plus speakers, maybe it's pretty reasonable. I don't know. Well, I guess the biggest downside right now is I do have a pillow that's a little bit more expensive, but it has a hole in the center because I've got tons of jewelry on my ears. Mm -hmm. So to not put pressure on all of my ear piercings, then... There's a hole in the center of my pillow. So that one wouldn't have that. And how does that speaker like sit? I don't know where. It, yeah, it's curious. Yeah. Well, it does say bone conducting speaker. So I don't, again, I don't know how that's going to work exactly. You know, so it'd be obviously like vibrate against your head, I guess. I don't know. So some people like those bone conducting speakers because they are not. Like your nor- normal peripheral like right. and stuff. Right. So you can actually... And I've never used you, a pair of those. Have you, Matt? I have. They're a little... Do you remember the the neck Bluetooth headphones I used to have that yeah. you'd put around your neck and most people would usually like wear them over their ear, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. over the top of the ear and just have them hang. It's kind of like that is about the best and with like the volume on high, but it's a little weird because you feel it kind of going around like the, the feeling of the music is like in and around your upper ear. It's really hard to explain, but sound quality wise is like if you just have a pair of really loud headphones. Okay. It's weird to say you feel the music, but you kind of do because <laughs> of the way the tech works. Because the vibrations uh, that you can yeah. feel. Yeah. So like while it's not like outwardly loud, like what you're hearing is loud enough but it doesn't obstruct what you would be in around your surroundings. So if um, this is, has that bone conduction as far as transferring sound over, then it shouldn't interrupt your partner or whatever because they're it, not it, laying on the pillow unless, you know, they come and steal your pillow. Then that's on them. Which that's, something tells that's not, that's not. I was going to say, which something tells me you'd probably kick back in bed if that was the case. No, he's never <laughs> stolen my pillow, but we have very, very different pillows. So I don't think mine would be comfortable for him anyway. Well, on a total aside, frequently bought together is this smart pillow and electric salt and pepper grinders. So I don't know how they're related at all, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's recommending. Just. Just more weird stuff, yeah, just, huh? Yeah, just nonsense there. Yep. Some more typical Amazon recommendations. Yeah, pretty much. Right? And what is some other weird tech that you guys have come across? I didn't even think that something like this existed, but 
apparently some other people have the same thing that I do where they need to listen to a book or listen to some music to help them fall asleep, stay asleep. And it's one way to solve the problem that doesn't have a cord coming out of your ear. And what do you do with that cord? Or is your in-ear headphones going to die if they're Bluetooth because they only last so long and most of them couldn't make it through an entire night. So interesting yeah, way to gonna, solve the problem. Yeah, I was going to say that there's been some weird stuff. I mean, you know, just look at all the stuff Nate does. Yeah, Very much so. Weird, yeah. so <laughs> you are usually the king of weird tech, Matt. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when it comes to like like this end of tech, uh, so I, like headphones and stuff. You, you sent me a link to a cyber deck I'm, that was pretty weird. I really enjoyed the video. But nonetheless. Oh, well, the cyber deck was just because it's it's DIY and you like to do DIY stuff. Right. So that was the only reason I sent that. I like the, honestly, I do like the concept of the cyber deck stuff, but like, I just, no, too much work. <laughs> time, time. Nate, when do you have the time to do things like that? It's the that biggest too. issue. Nate, Nate, you might like to do stuff like that. I'm good. <laughs> too much soldering, too much printing, too much waiting, too much, just No. Those all sound really delightful to me. I don't know what the problem is. I know. <laughs> that not any area of interest of mine. We've been over this. Why do you think I send Ryan my stuff to go fix? Because I don't want to. <laughs> you give away the best parts of owning technology, but okay, fine, whatever. Now, I did find something that I thought was really cool, and I don't have a link for it on this computer. It's on another one. I'm sure I could okay. dig through the history. But it is a... I have a very basic like bed and it's just kind of boring. And since, since I can choose whatever it is that I want, I was thinking I saw this bed that had built in like USB A and C charging as well as like LED lighting and you can make it whatever color you want. It'd be really obnoxious. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And rainbow vomit on your bed. That is a very interesting yeah, yeah. concept. I don't know if I can link it in with my home assistant. So is it just the bed frame then? Yeah, I will find, I will find that link now, but yes, it, it is. Yeah. I know I have seen lamps that now have chargers on them for being able to charge phones or whatever. All of that fun stuff. Yeah. There are lots of different designs. If you just look at them, they're pretty cool. Some of these are cooler than others, and and none of these are the ones that I saw. But anyway, I'll, I'll find that link at some point, and I'll, I'll put it in there. So but, I guess, is that the world that we are now in, where everything needs to have charging attached to it? All right, so here's what I'm thinking. So very often, I'll be like writing something, and then you know, late at night, like just, as, just like thoughts or an article or something, and then I want to put the computer someplace, and it'd be nice if it was charging at the same time. So mm -hmm. lately, I've just been putting it underneath the bed, like on those like exercise step things, you know, that I've, I haven't used, but it's just there. And so I, I, right. I put it there because I don't want, I don't want, I just don't want it on the floor. Don't know why, in case there's a flood, which wouldn't be possible. But anyway, never know. The washing machine can go crazy and just start spitting water. Away. But anyway, the I, I thought it'd be kind of cool if I could just like be done with it and put up above my head on the headboard and have it charging there instead. Or like yeah. a USB keyboard, I could put that up behind my head as well or or whatever, you know, when I'm done watching something. Because very often I like to I like to fall asleep lately anyway with like Star Trek the Next Generation on. It's just kind of like comfort food, you know, but whatever. I don't I don't want to learn something at night. I just want to like, you know, 
make my unwind make, chill watch something fun like I, you know like it keeps going yap 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 in here and sometimes it's nice just to get it to shut up and matt knows matt totally understands when i start talking but it'd be it's so i like to put on like star trek or something i've seen before just to get my head to shut up because music doesn't do it for me so I think I found one possibly similar. So it does have the charging in the middle there and the lighting that is inside of it. I have to say I've absolutely started to love the RGB house lights because I like being able to turn them down, change the color based on what time of day it is. So... At night, more the yellow light. During the day, the white light. And the kids have a lot of fun with the multicolors. Heck, that's one of the bulbs back there that's showing the red. And those are the lights that are running the softbox in front of me. The best part about those ones are I don't have to climb up on my desk and flip the switch in the back. I can just use the little remote, wherever it is, right here, to just turn it off or change color. Yeah. Just like that. All spooky-ish, even though this show comes out after Halloween. <laughs> well, Wendy, I guess that's one way to have your dark room. There you go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. Can I get this right? Wendy actually has found a use for potentially rainbow-colored vomit. I have found a use for rainbow vomit and... I think I want to apply that into the lighting of the whole house using the Zigbee protocol and having, I can't remember what the open source version is to connect it all together, but a smart home, mostly smart lights where they're being controlled. Home assistant. Yes. Home assistant through home assistant, being able to adjust that. I think that would be fantastic. So let it be known, Wendy is now a fan of RGB. RGB vomit. I just don't want it in my computer. Just I don't I don't want it in well, my computer. So you're you're gonna have red, green, and blue throughout the rest of the house. So your house yeah. has become See, your case for your computer. This is what I don't necessarily need. I don't need this. This is ugly. We don't need this. I'm sorry, I fail to understand what you're saying. This is great. <laughs> so you folks heard it here first. Wendy has now converted to finding a useful thing for RGB. The biggest critic on the network. So <laughs> calling it rainbow colored vomit, which I tend to agree. Is now a I'm still. What, what do you got there? I'm still working on this solution right here. It's basically, uh, the, 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 I should say, the brand on this is like, hardware store brand it's called like fiat f-e-i-t fiat electric it's a tuya is the protocol and the it's actually they're, they're very nice so this can be like cool white warm white every basically it looks like a regular bulb like when, when, I, when we have it functioning the problem yeah is, that's like the ones that i have in here or over there it looks like a regular bulb yep. mm-hmm but like a regular LED bulb, not like an incandescent bulb. But the right. it works really well. Unfortunately, it does require cloud interaction. I think, Matt, maybe I've, I sent you a message about how I was disappointed in myself for doing this. Well, there is a way, which I have not done yet, not yet quite figured out because, you know, other things get in the way and, you know, I have, I'm undiagnosed, but I, I'm a little bit ADD-ish about things, undiagnosed. And 
what I want to do is be able to get these so they'll operate without internet connection. And there is a way to do it. Mm. I just have not done that yet. There's a way to capture basically the whole thing. So right now I'm using them in a cloud form, but with Home Assistant, which it will basically, you have to configure some sort of a Tuya developer backend on this, which has access to this, which is frightening. And, and so I'm able to link Home Assistant with that. And then there's another the extension or whatever for Home Assistant that can actually then start to there's a way to basically capture and convert these to being local. And so it can rewrite something. I think that's what I understand. I might be saying that wrong. Yeah. And anyway. See, and that's why I like the Zigbee protocol is because it's Bluetooth instead of Wi-Fi. It's actually not even Bluetooth. It's a different protocol. It's actually a Zigbee protocol. Okay. It's and Well, at least that's how they... Yeah. And What's the word I'm looking what's for? What's also neat too Explain is it. some routers some or, or whatever, some, some wireless access points will not only do, you know... It, 82.11, you know, B, G, A, C, N, whatever. It'll also do Zigbee. And so it will it will repeat and do all your Zigbee stuff as well. Some newer, newer. Ooh, I don't think my that. router will do that. I was actually looking at Zigbee dongles in order to achieve right. that goal. But that would be really cool think, to have a router that has that built in. I think Zigbee uses a mesh communication as well. Yeah. So yeah. some access points will actually, like, so I'm working on replacing all the access points at work. And the new ones that I'm getting all of them do Zigbee as well. Nice. So nice. So you're the person to talk to when I go to do that. So I know things from an academic, not an application point with Zigbee at this point. You're working on the application point right now. So when you get done with this project, then I can not only ask you on the knowledge base, but the real world, how did it work? You betcha. (laughs) Anyway, there's... A lot of inexpensive IoT-ish devices out there that I think if can be properly contained, I think you could have you can do some really neat things. Me personally, yeah. I would actually love to have all the can lights in my house be RGB so that when I feel like it, I can tell the computer red alert and everything will go all Star Trek-y like that. That would be my dream situation only my kitchen can okay do that right so now. not only do you need to have the light bulbs go red but you need to have the sound effects with it and i have seen the light bulbs with the built-in speaker too mm-hmm. so as part of that red alert it can play the sound so what i was thinking is probably execute a script which would like specific like appliance like computers like not my laptop mm-hmm. or but like appliance desktop like computers such as my kitchen computer which has you know usually has speakers hooked into it Right. That and maybe some other devices I could then have home assistant should be able to and there's gotta be a way to do it. I mean you have you have SSH in there and if you have if you have if you can secure shell into something else and you can do pre-shared keys, I don't see why you can't execute an A play command with a specific file at specific right. times. So it should be very easy, you know, asterisk quotes. To get that should effect. Should be. In theory, yeah. it should be very easy. So the kids aren't getting their schoolwork done. It's a red alert. Yes. Chores aren't done. It's or, a red alert. Or you yeah. could, I could even put like some, some sensors in the house too. So like when you have like a, a like one of those like thunderstorms where it, like it shakes everything. So if it senses mm. that, it just automatically just kicks into red alert, you know, <laughs> you know tornado, whatever, <laughs> seek shelter, you know, stuff like that, you know. interesting use for the technology interesting use for the technology so let's jump back into gaming 
And since we've already been talking about space with Star Trek, you've got us a space game this week, Matt. The best way to describe this game is this game is doing all the things that a multi-billion dollar purchase company for that is called Bethesda apparently can't do. Done by one dude. <laughs> <laughs> it is called Star Spaceborn 2. And it is an open world procedure. I, I hate the term procedurally generated, but randomly generated mm. game as far as like the game world and stuff. And it, it, it's a big game. So it's a space combat pirate, you know, be whatever you want a style game. It very much reminds me of like the, there's a game series called X, which it's very much in that kind of ilk as well. There's X3 and X4 Foundations, I think is the, uh, or X Foundations. Anyway, this particular one is done by one guy and it has features and functions in it that even games with a billion dollar budget, basically like Starfield came in do. It takes the modding community to do what Starfield can't do, but that's an entirely different story. So this particular game has space combat, career choices, and however you want to do procedurally generated universe and world. So as an example, in Starfield, when you actually go to land on a planet, you don't fly through the atmosphere yourself and all that stuff. It just doesn't do that. Mm. So this game by one guy does that. So, like, you go from space and you procedurally fly through the clouds and all that stuff onto the planet. That's wow. nuts. So, there, so there's just little stuff like that. It's janky. I'm not going to say it's perfect because it's not. It's an early access game still. But for the fact that it's one guy doing this, and in, when you compare it to a, a game that is supposed to be, like, the next revolution in gaming... I'd say this is more interesting, more revolutionary than the game that it was made by the billion dollar company. <laughs> the graphics look honest. really pretty gosh dang good. There's yeah. no way just looking at this unless you'd said yeah. it was made by one guy that I would know that. So like, uh, like there's ways you can tell, like the, I believe he was going to start using like AI generated voice, like voice acting stuff for like scripting, but it's like, it's one guy. So it's like, I'm not going to really like it, it's one of those like you can't really argue with using the tools that you have available to you. And finding developer. voice so actors I, has to be a bit of a pain anyway. So as far as that particular aspect, there, like there's a story, but like you don't play these games for the story. You play these games because they're open world and you can kind of just do whatever you want. And that's really the appeal. The best way I've been able to kind of describe this is this one is a one person development version of no man's sky. Okay. Which for anybody that knows what that game is, it's kind of the similar concept, but this is, I don't want to say it's bigger in scale. I would say it's more ambitious given the way that it's done by one person as opposed to a small dev team like No Man's Sky was. I don't understand how one guy could do all this artwork. Assets and everything else. Like uh, there's ways to do it. Like. He he does a lot of work. Like this is what he focuses on. And for a game to have like twenty three hundred very positive review status on on Steam as an early access title, yeah, that's good. That that's crazy to me. So and he he's always he's very open with communication. He, he I mean I think he just had an announcement update for I think three dot something not that long ago. And he's very open about when stuff is delayed and why. And it's just, 
everything that you always hear gamers complain about, like, oh, they're not transparent enough. Oh, they don't do this. They don't listen. They don't take feedback, et cetera. This guy does all <laughs> of that. <laughs> so to me, it is a game worth promoting. It plays on the, Nate, for you, it plays on the Steam Deck because that's the one you'll care about. It plays nice on Linux for the rest of us in general. So if you want a little more oomph in the, in the graphical presentation than what the Steam Deck can give you, you know, or better frame rate or whatever, it's definitely there. It, there's jank. I'm not going to say it's perfect. It's an early access title. I'm more willing to to give the benefit of the doubt on some of the kind of the jank because it's a one dude project. Right. And to me, the what is currently there is well worth supporting. So that's my take on it. Well, it looks very cool. I even like the the way the ships show damage. You know, like like little like a glowing little bits on it, like as though it's smoldering mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I don't. I, it kind of reminded me initially of like Descent Free Space initially, but then as the more I watch, I'm like, well, you also have a you know ha- first person shooter, not just dogfight type thing, and then there's so it's a lot to explore. It's not just your ship; it's your it's everything. So yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, like it, it's primary stuff is space combat mm-hmm. obviously like it's in the name spaceborn but like you get to explore kind of the hubs hub worlds that you're visiting and the planets that you land mm-hmm. on and that stuff so you get to explore the cities and interact with people and all that stuff so it's it's really cool to see that kind of level of detail coming out of like a one dev team basically and uh, i've been finding a lot more games recently have been do, being have been able to do a lot of that stuff there was another one that came out a few years ago called Bright Memory. I think it's called Bright Memory Infinite now. But it originally started out as a one-man project. And you looked at it, and it was like, how is this, like, not even like a AAA studio could make this, like, <laughs> like you know, so. Nice. I, I'm finding a lot of these hidden gems, basically, that you wouldn't even think, like, studios that are, like, 10 times their size. You know, if it's a 10 person team studio, that's got a hundred people couldn't even make it. It's like, it amazes me. And none of these games get the, the, the recognition they, a lot of them deserve. I'm not going to lie. So definitely my take on it. So whatever this costs, if, if it's 30 bucks, I think currently 20. 20. So like it, even as at 20, that's not a bad price for what you get. Oh, I agree. So, Nate, while I am talking about flying around in space games and whatnot, you seem to be stuck specifically on the ground with a Ender 3 that has a, <laughs> is having some heating issues. Well, it's actually, I think maybe we briefly talked about it before, but it's having some 3D printer issues where it wouldn't start printing. It would just get stuck. And doing some reading, I... I learned that it's because of a, a failing MOSFET or whatever in the in, on the main board, which like, well, I just replaced the main board. I just, you know, and I like, what's going on here? And so I put the new more new main board in, man, it's working great. And all of a sudden it does it again. I'm like, well, what, what in, you know, in, in tarnation is going on here? Anyway, so I did some more digging. I, I got in, I mean, it was like deep digging into the forums like reddit forums forums and whatnot and reddit's kind of garbage but anyway somebody said to try to basically adjust the temperature up or down on the nozzle because we get stuck at extruder heating and so you know i tried like like tapping on it and whatever else but so just adjust up or down the extruder the temperature on the nozzle and so i did that and it started printing 
now reliably I can whether it's whether I'm printing from an SD card or from Octoprint, I can it that is a hundred percent solution for solving that. So I did end up writing an article on cubicle.com because the new board didn't fix it. The other board is probably fine. So good thing I didn't I didn't do anything throw it away or right, dispose of something, it or something like that. Yeah. But but basically that just the, the it needs a bit of a nudge, not with a boot, but just needs a little bit of a nudge and uh, it'll it'll start printing and it prints fine. So there's no problems. It's something to do with it could be uh, the how it's reading the 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 thermistor because the temperature does kind of do up and down. And I think there's probably something in the code where it's not like it's not locking on due to, to it's like how often it pulls the temperature or something like that, which tells me it's probably a bad, it's a bad algorithm or whatever. But I know I've, I've tried changing the firmware on it. But I think what I learned in this whole thing is I, I probably need to look at maybe getting a more professional industrial type 3D printer for as much as I'm asking it to do. Or maybe I need to get a different main board for this that's better, maybe something like you used Wendy or whatever. But anyway, it's working now. I can reliably do that. And so I've been, I've been printing a lot of these little hooks right here for essentially holding these lights, which I would have, I'll be putting on my fence. And so it's just big enough that basically the, the wire goes in there and then I can string these up along the fence and it'll, you know, it's, this is not the, it's actually black, not, not this red, white, and blue, but along the fence line. So it can be nicely held up there. So I'm not putting any nails or any tacks or anything like that in my, in my brand new fence that I built this spring. I'm just going to use little ABS hooks that go right on there. And I, and I designed it so that it'll take a little bit of a stretch, you know, and then keep, keep good contact. And I just dropped it. And I don't know where it would happen to it. <laughs> yeah. You have showed us those in the past. It's been quite a while since you've been able to talk about them. So I'm glad that it's coming along. But I'm sure it's been slowed by this printer issue. Mm -hmm. And it could be something on the firmware side. Maybe even the thermistor itself could be the issue. But I know you changed that out not too long ago, too. Yep. Even though change the whole print head out and everything. So if it is on the firmware side of things and you decide to go with a different main board, I highly recommend one that runs Clipper. I okay. have absolutely loved it. I love the functionality and the flexibility that it gives me. The one thing that I do have to say, and you missed it because it was the episode where I was talking about the install. Maybe I didn't talk about it at all. I don't remember. Of my Starlink router, router, internet in general. I was like so excited we were finally going to get it installed. I just completely shut down the whole network and we like pulled the wire and then I realized, hey, my printer was running and I haven't put a screen on it yet. So I had absolutely no connection to it other than my Wi-Fi and it now no longer had Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, I think your screen will actually work, but the one that I had that came with the Ender 5 Plus wouldn't connect, and they do have some other ones available that you can use. I just hadn't figured out a solution for that until I was like, oh crap, I have completely destroyed my network. There's no way to get it back up right now, and I have no communication with my printer. That was great. Couldn't you just change the SSID to match the other one with the same password and then it make it work that way? I could have, 
but it was already doing a print. And so there was no way to properly shut down the oh, printer okay. was the biggest issue because it was running. And so I had to shut it down the wrong way in order to change that out. So then it was running on the proper network. But had I been thinking, then I would have either canceled the print ahead of time or waited for the print to finish, properly shut it down, mm-hmm. and then done the switch. Yeah, but if there had been some sort of monitor on it, then it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because then I could have shut it down properly that way right i'm just using a pi 3 right now that has octoprint on it so yeah that's how i manage it yeah and you can manually shut it down from the screen too if you needed to to go in and and properly shut it down that way well i guess not necessarily octoprint itself and as a little fun aside there was an extension i found i should probably write a little article on this too because it's really cool i have a now an icon on my octoprint like screen the page the web page the mm. whatever that can, i can turn on and off the light that is controlled by home assistant i didn't even know this was an option but i found a, a plugin to do this so that i can actually control the light either through home assistant or this actually i give like a it gave like a key to home assistant to actually control it and anyway, i thought that was i don't have cool. a light on my printer yet but i also don't have it enclosed yet that's one of the downsides of having one that flipping big mm-hmm. is it's hard to get an enclosure for it Right. I'm hoping you find a solution for this. I mean, you did find a workaround for it, though you just have to be there in order to bump the speeds or bump the T- uh, temperature right. so it'll go ahead and finish printing. But it would be nice if that wasn't something you had to wait for it to get to temperature and then mess with it. Yeah, it's annoying. But, you know, I have some, I got a bunch of projects here that I'm going to knock out now that I have it worked out. And, and as another aside and as a tease, I have another piece of CAD software that I'm using quite successfully. Maybe I talked about this already. I don't Ooh. think so. Uh, but I'm I'm using that. It it basically allows me to do everything I want to do in a, in a CAD application, except it is cloud based, and I don't like that. So it's like it's like Fusion 360. It's a competitive Fusion 360, but it works in Linux. I've got a love hate relationship. I have relationship a love-hate relationship with cloud-based applications it's nice because then you don't have to worry about what the operating system is Mm -hmm. but at the same time there's something to be said for having that local install that's so nice so So, when the internet goes out it still works right exactly exactly i know michael has raved about photopea multiple times and for the most part it works great i've used it i use it all the time But then at that one time where you're trying to get stuff at 11 o'clock at night and all you want to do is go to bed, but you can't go to bed until this one thing gets finished and you can't get into the flipping application, that's that's a downside of web-based apps for sure. I will say, I think that it's all happening local. I think that the application itself is cloud-based, but the processing is happening local because... Nice. I, I, I can't say that for sure, but there's no way that in my mind, I don't think it'd be possible to do with some of the stuff I've been doing for it to be processed elsewhere. I think it's being stored okay. elsewhere and managed on the cloud. But I think that the using the different All the processing is, is happening, happening locally. locally. Yeah, I think so. You're still going to want a system that can handle a piece of CAD software, which pretty much any kind of rudimentary CAD work that people do, any computer that you buy today is going to be able to handle it, no problem. I mean, free CAD will work fine. 10-year-old machines at this point. You know, this will probably work just as well. Except for if it's got two gigs of RAM, huh? Well, I mean, there are, I mean, asterisk. Okay, there's an asterisk on that statement. (laughs) 
So speaking of checking out things, you're checking out Blend OS. So what got you on the Blend OS train? It's all Ryan. It is all Ryan. And I think there's every single episode of DL. It's Blend OS, Blend OS, and Blend OS. I could probably even cut in a section here where he is saying it multiple times in a row. And he talks it up all the time about how he absolutely loves it and he's getting all of his work done inside of it, not necessarily like work Burke, but what he does is able to be done inside Blend OS. And I love the idea of it. You know, last time we did an immutable systems episode, I was a little, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I like having my core, which I'm pulling stuff directly from the repos. But one of the things that kind of got me excited about Blend OS is it's built with all of these different distros that you can quickly install inside of a container and then have those applications pull up inside of that container and be able to use them. So it's opening up your available of applications more, those applications, even if they are, say, in a Debian container or a CentOS container or whatever it is, are still being listed inside of your list of applications in the menu, which I really, really like that idea. So the first time I went ahead and installed it, I can't remember what happened, what what I'd noticed, but I, I had to bail pretty quickly. And then I tried it again on my main desktop, got everything installed, everything was looking great. I knew that, oh, oh, the, the first time the issue that I ran into is I'm using the OpenCL drivers directly from AMD. So those are the pri proprietary versions of those drivers. And in order to get access to those, you typically have to get them from the AUR. Yes, Blend OS is Arch-based, just like the other immutable file system that you know so well, the one from Steam. So if it is in the main repos, you could run a command that's like system install and then whatever drivers you need and it's fine. The whole system can use it. But because the drivers that I need aren't in the main one, they're in the AUR, I couldn't get those installed right away. Doing some research afterwards, I found, okay, you can basically make the system writable for a period of time, being able to install those additional drivers and it'll be great. So I was... The second time trying to get everything installed and running and I had Steam up and going and it could see my drives because I had made them so you could see them, put in my password, whatever. So it could see my drives, but it actually wasn't seeing my library, my Steam library on my game drive, which was a bit of an issue. And before, every time I restart up my computer, re-put a fresh install. I have, and I'm probably saying this wrong, and I'm probably doing Blend OS wrong, an fstab file that I save so that I'm a new system. I just copy my drives with their UUIDs into the new one so that all of my drives automatically show up. There is a game drive, a photo drive, a video drive, a backup drive. Like, yes, there's a ton of drives inside the system hmm. and they're actually too small. I need to update all of my storage inside of this. There's not enough, but that's beside the point. I want all of those storage 
options to be mounted as soon as I start my system because I use them almost every single day. I don't want to log into Steam and realize, gosh dang it, I forgot to mount the game drive or go to edit a video or something and be like, gosh dang it, I haven't mounted that drive so it's not seeing what I needed to see at the time. I don't want to deal with that. All of those drives that I use all of the time need to auto mount. And then I didn't know what to do because I'm used to just taking that and pasting it into the FSTAB file. Then not only do I have access to all of those drives, I don't have to worry about my application seeing them. So like I said, it's probably something I'm doing wrong or something that I need to tweak and adjust in order to get those base settings done. Because I think once you had all of the base settings done, it would run absolutely amazing. The kitchen system right now is actually running BlendOS. It's been running BlendOS seamlessly since the first time I tried to install it on this system, but it doesn't have any of those weird caveats that this one does. It's not a production system. I am not video editing on it. It doesn't play Steam games. It doesn't have a secondary drive. Yeah, so it's pretty basic, pretty straightforward. I still would love to play with it. I might need to jump into the BlendOS Discord and maybe ask a few more questions or pick Ryan's ear if I can ever like actually get a hold of him that it's not show-related stuff and find out exactly what he's doing and how he's making some of that work. So I am trying to give some of the immutable file systems a try. I'm just running into some enders like I can't keep the system because if I can't get these very specific things to work that have to work I guess gaming isn't necessary but now that I play games I want them to work so I'll eventually try it again you're muted Matt it's funny how that works when you get games you actually want to start playing them isn't it Right, exactly. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to play him as much as I'd like to. We did that episode where I'm like, hey, the community can come play with us. And then my time went into the toilet and I haven't had time to actually play and and log in and play with the community. I do still plan to. But not having those work in Magneto plays games. So if he goes to log into a game, then that stuff has to work. And I just don't know how to work that around on the immutable file system. Obviously, Steam got it to work. It's working just fine on their version of an immutable file system, but I'm sure that's baked into the OS itself for the device that it's running on. So for what it's worth, the developer of BlendOS, Rudra Saraswat, I think is his last name. He's been on Linux Loon the last couple weeks. Oh. Yeah. So mostly talking about Ubuntu Unity, but anyway, he he's been on he's been on there. So we we kind of talked offline, not like during the show, about doing BlendOS. Yeah. And I think it'd be fun to, you know, kick the tires of this. But I want to have some sort of a, you know, things to try, like a, like a a recipe book or a tutorial or something of things to try that like these are the interesting things BlendOS does that other distributions don't do as well or whatever. And it'd, right. be, it'd be fun to try things out as such. And, you know, I might, I might start hinting that maybe you should build it on OpenSUSE instead. <laughs> Chalk. I well, done if you guys do do that show, I would absolutely love to know when you're doing that and maybe jump in on it. Oh, sure. I know I don't make it to 
Linux Saloon very often, but that is one that definitely has my interest peaked because mm -hmm. I think Blend OS really does some interesting thing. It has some interesting stuff built into it from the get-go, but I'm not sure with the way I normally use my system, I'm not entirely sure how to get the same functionality on an immutable file system that I need. I think what I find interesting about it, like the thing that probably interests me the most, and that's just by looking, just very quickly glancing through it, I haven't tried it yet, but if there is an actual easy way to install and run Android apps within Linux, that's yes. very compelling. That's something to try that would be interesting. I, I'm a little bit leery about being on an arch base for numerous reasons. But the fact that it is immutable does kind of mitigate a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of like the reverse Chromebook, right? Chromebooks, they worked in order to have regular computer applications on it. And then you have something like Blend OS that is saying, hey, here you can now install your Android apps on top of a Linux base, which is nice because some of those applications, their Android versions have better or more fluid functionality than their desktop versions. And so you're able to pick and choose which version you're running, having that overall on the application itself. So I'm curious when you guys do decide to do this, I really want to know, not necessarily that I'll be running it on my main system before then, because I got to get work done, but I would like to know the answer to some of those questions and find out what I'm doing wrong mm -hmm. in order to make those things work. And then maybe that interaction can help with some of the documentation on the website or the how-tos. There's so many interesting things happening right now that it's kind of hard to like, pick one area and actually run with it. But this is, right. this is definitely interesting. I mean, essentially, Blend OS takes all these different technologies that exist, from what I can tell. And again, I'm not, this is just from what I've listening to people talk and reading some of the documentation. But it's like it takes these different technologies and puts them together in a nice recipe that's already prepared. So it's like a box yeah. recipe, you know, like Cousin T's pancakes or something like that. And... <laughs> And and, and and provides a, a like a perfect experience. I mean, I don't know if it's perfect, but I mean like a a well blended experience. So Blend OS, Blend OS, yes, well blended experience. And one of the interesting things is you can have distant just different distributions inside those containers, and being able to run specific applications or you know this older version of this thing needs to run on a Debian in order to function better and being able to put it in that environment where it hasn't been updated or I, I don't know. I do like the idea of it. I'm just struggling with it in real world application. So when we get there and we can chat with him, that would be absolutely amazing. If you haven't checked out Blend OS and if you listen to DDL, I guarantee you've heard about it. And you can check out the website in the links. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form. Drop us a line under this video or the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. 
If you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fueled, Destination Linux, and Linux Saloon. Hey, we were just talking oh. about that. And more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. I know they're changing that over. It's been on Redbubble. I have no idea what they're using next, but they said that some designs aren't transferring over to the new store. So if you want to grab some of them, get them now because they may not be there later. You can also pick up the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt, which thankfully Matt and Nate both did today. You can also Matt pick up some hashtag Team Wendy swag as Sinister Wendy. I'm super nice, I promise. It's all Ryan on Evil. how I got that name. Evil. <laughs> as always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time with another awesome soda of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, or if it's like today's episode, nowhere near on topic, <laughs> but definitely have fun doing it.